What's going on, everybody, and welcome into another edition of B Shape Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer, alongside you here on a rainy Friday evening slash early Saturday morning, as we're recording some Cardinals baseball talk following a very interesting game for the Redbirds down at Bush Stadium against the uh, rival of the season. I guess it's going to be the Cincinnati Reds, though, you know, you've always got the Cubs, and I think the Brewers are actually the chief competition for the Cardinals in this NL Central. I've I've been saying that for dating back to before the season began, and so far that seems to be playing out as the Brewers off to a first-place start in the NL Central. But the Reds have the intrigue, right? After the opening series with Yadier Molina, Nick Castellanos, what was going to happen when these two teams got together once again? Well, it happened on Friday, and the Cardinals were able to get the job done, getting a 5-4 to win in a game that was closer than it should have been because the Cardinals took command early. They didn't stick with the offensive approach the way they usually do once they get a few early runs. They were kind of quiet over the latter half of this game offensively, but they were able to do just enough to get that lead and find a way to hold it despite the bullpen trying to do everything it could in the ninth to give it up. Fascinating game, a lot of storylines, a lot to get to, so let's jump right into it. First, with the conversation surrounding Yachty and Castellanos. I gotta say, I think Castellanos, if he weren't kind of the Cardinals villain at this point in time, the you know, it's like he's in training to become the next Cardinals killer. Hit a home run tonight in this game, so he's continuing to produce against the Redbirds. In addition to all the stuff going on, I won't even say off the field, but certainly the storylines and the narratives that have been derived from the situation in that second game of the season when he flexed over Jake Woodford, offered him back the baseball, and Yachty didn't seem to like what was going on. And next thing you know, the benches and bullpens have cleared, and it's a thing. Uh, I think Castellanos, though, is a really interesting guy and good for baseball. Like He's fun to watch. No matter what he does, I feel like he's just entertaining because he's always in the thick of it. He's making things happen offensively, obviously, and that's first and foremost what matters when you're talking about fielding a competitive team. And, you know, when he was with the Cubs after the trade from Detroit, I think is where he came from when he was available, uh, I guess, at the end of 2019. And he, like, totally raked for Chicago. Goes to Cincinnati when the Reds really tried to upgrade that offense a couple off seasons ago. And has done a really nice job for them. Guy's still only 29 years old. And obviously an offensive force for this team. But I I just feel like Cardinals fans, obviously I think they're going to be conditioned not to like the guy based on, you know, him kind of being the villain, as I mentioned. You know, if you're on the wrong side of Yadier Molina, you're on the wrong side of Cardinals fans. But that's what's so interesting. Like the way that Castellanos presents himself, if you go back and listen to the interview that he did after that game, on April 3rd, when the Cardinals and Reds had the whole dust up and he was right in the middle of it all. He was, like, pretty candid about the fact that he's cool with Yachty. Remember what he said? You know, the guy could punch him in the face and he'd still ask for a signed jersey. Well, Yachty didn't punch him in the face, but what he did do tonight was pretty entertaining. Castellanos comes up to bat for the first time in this game, in the first, batting second for the Reds tonight. And, of course, Bush Stadium is booing the guy because that's what you got to do. Great American Ballpark is going to boo Yachty. They've done it since 2010 when the Brandon Phillips incident happened. Now it looks like 
every time Castellanos comes to Bush, he's going to get the same treatment from Cardinals fans. I think it's fun. It makes things interesting. But if you think there's bad blood between these two, Yachty and Castellanos, you might want to look again. Cardinals Gifts called it on Twitter today, and it's on his uh, Twitter profile if you haven't seen it. Yachty actually winked at Castellanos as he's coming into the batter's box, and the boos are raining down on him. I, I didn't get a look in the in the video. You can't really see what Castellanos' reaction to the wink is, but you know he saw it. And he had said, look, nothing but respect for Yachty. Clearly, I think the respect is mutual. I don't think there's bad blood between the players. I would be surprised if there were any extracurriculars uh, from this particular incident. Now, it's going to be a good rivalry as the year goes along, and certainly you never know what could happen over the course of another I don't know, 14, 15 games, however many more games these two will have against one another. Anything's possible. But I think from that first incident, all of that's kind of been put to bed in the minds of the players. But what's fun is that for the fans, it's going to continue on and continue to be a a narrative and a storyline. But in the actual game today, Yachty, at first, it looked like he was going to get the best of the Reds and Castellanos' side in this one because the scoring began with his home run hit earlier in the game. Alluded to Castellanos getting one later, but it was Yachty that struck first, putting the Cardinals on the board with a one nothing lead in the second inning. And then in the third, he does it again amid a really nice rally for the Cardinals where they put up four more runs to jump out to that 5 nothing lead. And the way that went down was pretty interesting as well because you get Kwon Young Kim, his first career, not only major league hit, but professional hit. He said after the game, his first hit in 14 years... The last one coming when he was still in high school because you think about playing in Korea as he had for all these years. No no pitching, no pitchers have to really bat over there. I think he may have taken a few at-bats at random, but uh, with the DH in play, it's just not something that really happens. And so at age 33, his last hit coming when he was in high school, uh, you know, a whole career ago, really. He's been at it for a long time. I know he's only been in the big leagues with the Cardinals for a couple of years now, and this going on just his second year, last year being a shortened season, hasn't been around that long. But he's been around this game, kind of crazy to think that he hasn't had a hit. Just the opportunity never arose. And so it did tonight, and what he did was kind of squib one toward the third baseline and just hustle his ass off. It was awesome to see. Like, that's some whitey ball if I've ever seen it where, you know, you you maybe aren't going to be able to hit the ball out of the infield as a pitcher who hasn't really handled the bat in his career. But, hey, if you get wood on it at all, just bust your butt down the line. He ends up making it safely and kind of apologizing, I think he said, to Sonny Gray because he kind of felt like he got a cheap one off of him. And it was hysterical. KK said in his next at-bat, Gray kind of gave him a smirk and then threw like four breaking balls to him. (laughs) So you get a cheap one off me the first time. You're not going to see a fastball. You're going to get all off-speed stuff, and we're going to make sure we make your life a little more difficult at the plate. Don't get too comfortable in that batter's box, I think was the message from Sonny Gray to KK. But some fun stuff going on in that game. Uh, In that third inning, KK doesn't end up scoring any of those runs because Tommy Edmond hit into a ground out that was a force out. But that was kind of the catalyst, get a base runner on for the middle of the order. And it was a a part of the batting order that was different for the first time this season tonight as Dylan Carlson gets moved up to number two. 
You had Goldschmidt batting third, and for the first time, Arenado down in the cleanup spot. Now, I've said on this podcast and talked about it at length, I like the look of Goldschmidt batting number two, Arenado number three, because I think if those are your two best hitters, both of those guys should be batting in the first inning. Get them as many plate appearances as you can. That just stands to reason. That's the way I saw it. Early on in the in the 2021 season, it looked like that was a pretty good alignment. But the Cardinals have been pretty inconsistent offensively ever since. Uh, we know they've been slumping o- over the last couple of games against the Nationals, where they scored just two and zero runs across those games, respectively. So Mike Schilt was looking to shake things up a little bit tonight, and he puts Dylan in that two-hole. It ends up panning out in this third inning where the Cardinals are able to get some offense going, and Dylan gets on base. Paul Goldschmidt then drives in Edmund and Carlson with a double down the left field corner. Uh, That was exactly what the Cardinals were looking for, the spark they needed. Arenado then gets a base knock to drive in Goldschmidt, and you get another base hit from Yachty. This one a double into the gap to score Arenado. So they kept the line moving. The heart of the order, the top of the order, got things done. And listen, you can call it recency bias, whatever, but if the Cardinals were looking for a shakeup, Mike Schilt is not one to just do something just to do it when it comes to the lineup. You know, you may not always agree with what he does. He may back Carpenter too high. He may put Carpenter in the lineup at all, and that's a problem for a lot of people. I get it. Guy hasn't been producing uh, and we can talk about that in a little bit, too, because John Moselak had some interesting comments before the game about the Matt Carpenter situation. But when something does finally change in a lineup for Mike Schilt and it works, I don't think you can expect it to go away anytime soon. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So with that mentality, not broke, don't fix it. Then when it is broke, we're going to try to do anything we can to fix it. And we think we fixed it after one game. I think you're going to see Dylan in the two-hole for the foreseeable future. Should be noted, though, it's not like the Cardinals totally were, you know, absolved of their issues offensively. They didn't really do anything over the latter half of this game, uh, not really one scoring chance to, to speak of after that third inning, to be honest. There wasn't anything going on on the regular, on the base paths for the Cardinals. But, hey, they got their five runs. They got a great outing from Kwon Young Kim, who goes five and two-thirds innings. All he gives up was the Castellanos bomb and has eight strikeouts in this game. Eight strikeouts, no walks, pretty much a vintage outing from KK, kind of what we've come to expect from him based on his performance last year, except I would say maybe even a little bit better in that he to get eight strikeouts, that's a career best for him in the majors. Didn't do that last year at any point. So a guy that usually is content to let the defense work behind him, he was finding ways to miss bats tonight and getting the strikeouts. Had some looking as well. But a really quality outing from Kwon Young Kim uh, doesn't qualify for the quality start because you got to have six innings to do that, and he falls one out short of that. But nevertheless, a really good game for him. Uh, there was one criticism he had of himself, which was to say he didn't throw enough first pitch strikes. And I kind of asked him about what you know, what, where all these strikeouts come from, and what what role can the strikeout play in your game when you're going right and he kind of took the question in another direction I think there's probably a little bit of a language barrier there but he honed in on the fact that he uh, was not able to convert on first pitch strikes very often I went back and looked he basically had about 11 out of 22 if you count the ones where the balls were put in play on the first pitch several times that happened Um, and so that allowed him to to be able to have a more efficient outing Uh, didn't get super deep into the game but probably could have gone a little bit deeper with where his pitch count was, but 
Cardinals went to uh, the bullpen, made a move, did Mike Schilt. Ends up painting out just fine. The bullpen was good uh, earlier on in, in, in those innings. Ryan Helsley had a nice outing for the Cardinals. But then as you get into the ninth inning, that's where things got, I would say, hairy, interesting, scary, any of the above. I mean, you had Helsley, Cabrera, Gallegos looked good again, which was key. He had two-thirds of an inning and struck out both the batters he faced. So that was good to see. But then when you get into the ninth, they give Jordan Hicks the opportunity. You hadn't seen it really, him throwing in the ninth inning in a game this close. 5-1 to one was the score, so not technically a save situation, which that's a little bit too by the by the old school book for me. Like, I know they're trying to protect Hicks a little bit, trying to get him into non-save situations and work him maybe back toward that. Alex Reyes, you call him the closer, the de facto closer, the ninth inning guy, whatever. It's been Reyes when the, the game's been on the line. I don't necessarily like the fact that they went to Hicks here. And obviously you can look at it in retrospect and say, well, they almost blew this game with the way they did it. And so that's you know easy to say now that you didn't like it because as it was happening, you could have probably looked at it and said, well, it was an opportunity to get him in a save-like situation as he's working his way back two years without having pitched. You know, what better opportunity could there be? Eventually, you've got to kind of let the training wheels off, which I get. But, you know, you really needed to win in this situation. And Hicks, you know, has had some control problems. Did so again tonight. A couple of walks. Ends up getting charged with three earned runs in the in the uh, inning that he pitched. And he only gets one out in the inning because of a misplay that just simply cannot happen in right center field between Dylan Carlson and Justin Williams. Uh, the the ball is hit in the air. It carried plenty of, of distance. Um, hang time was enough that both outfielders really were able to get to it. But they just, nobody took command of the situation, and they kind of passed each other like ships in the night. Nobody catches the ball, and it goes for an RBI triple, which I tweeted at the time. That's going to cost Jordan Hicks in the ERA department. Uh, ERA now at 4.91 for the season. That shouldn't have been. I know that the rule is, it's not really a rule, but it's just kind of the way it's always graded and scored. If nobody touches the ball with their glove, you're not going to be able to give an error to anybody. That's just unfortunate for the pitcher, though, because that inning ends up snowballing on him, whereas if somebody catches that ball, which it was a routine play, it just needs to be made, needs to be communicated, and it wasn't. Uh, The Cardinals like to claim to be a, a strong, savvy defensive team. There have been a lot of instances especially in the outfield already this year. Like, there have been some errors for Arenado when they're playing the shift that's been talked about a little bit. I am not going to worry about Nolan Arenado playing defense. Uh, I trust that guy to do what he needs to do. But in the outfield in particular, it's been a problem for the Cardinals. Uh, You do have a lot of younger and experienced, or I should say less experienced outfielders out there, and they're bouncing around sometimes. You've got guys playing center, and then they're playing in right, and guys are moving all around. That happens a little bit guys that haven't played together in an alignment uh, all, all too many times. And so maybe some of that can come from it. But, like, listen, when Lane Thomas had his bad defensive game, what did they do? They sent him down the next day because that, that doesn't fly. Well, this play was another example of something that just should not fly. And it's just about communication. To me, it's got to be the center fielder that takes charge. And so I, I pin that one on Carlson a little bit. You cannot be tentative when you're trying to call out a ball that you have or you want to direct your right fielder to have. You've got to be, and that's the one thing people are, you know, and I think Cardinals fans have started to come around to it a little bit where they say, man, I kind of miss Harrison Bader. Even the people that were, you know, w- would often complain about his offensive prowess and the the way he, you know, doesn't always have consistency at the plate. I think people recognize this, his defense 
and what he does to take command of the situation in that outfield, that's something the Cardinals are sorely missing right now uh, across the uh, the outfield grass. And when he returns healthy, which is hopefully pretty soon, maybe early May, I believe, is the last update that we received on the on that topic, for Bader to be able to get back out there I think would be a big boon for the Cardinals defensively because he's the quarterback out there and uh, we have we've seen Lane Thomas out there he hasn't he certainly was not able to to fill that quarterback role Carlson athletically has done a great job I think in center but I don't know that he's quite got that uh, the experience maybe or just the the mentality yet that that he would need to have as the quarterback of the defense in center field uh, something he can learn as he goes certainly as a rookie that's not something I expect him to have mastered at this point but uh, Bader certainly it's just seems to have come real natural for him in something he's done a really good job of. Uh, you remember the ball that happened in left center field on the last home stand between Dean and I believe it was Thomas in that game. And I remember saying, look, Bader would have tackled Austin Dean trying to get to that baseball. And you you have a situation there where nobody really goes for the ball. So a couple of times that's happened recently for the Cardinals in the outfield. You don't want to see it continue. Uh, but it's just one of those things the Cardinals are going to have to clean up if they want to consider themselves uh, rightfully the, the, the strong defensive team that I believe that they can be. But because of that situation, now Mike Schultz has to hurry up and get Alex Reyes warm. I don't know how much time he really got down there in the bullpen before they brought him in to try to save this game um, because Hicks was kind of unraveling a little bit with the hit and the two walks. And so they bring in Reyes, and Reyes didn't have it. And that's when things got really interesting. He walks a couple of guys, including walking in a run, which ends up putting the go-ahead run on second base. And so it was a dangerous spot, and he was not throwing first-pitch strikes either. Ends up battling back in a big way to get Eugenio Suarez uh, to end this game. It was a full-count strikeout that if he... If he misses, man, bases were going to be loaded. Tyler Webb was warming up at that point because Joey Votto, a left-handed batter, was up next. I wonder if Mike Schilt really would have gone to him, and that wasn't something that got asked in the postgame because I I don't feel like – and sometimes people say, well, why wouldn't this question get asked if it was, you know, a relevant thought that maybe some people would have been wondering. Sometimes it's a time and place issue, and and if the flow of the postgame is going a certain way, um, it's hard to be the one to – to wreck that, especially after a Cardinals win, um, but just wasn't on my radar at the time. But I do wonder if uh, if he would have gone to Tyler Webb in that situation. I don't know why else you'd have him warming up, um, but I know a lot of Cardinals fans would say, I'd rather have Alex Reyes on the mound, game on the line, than Webb, especially Webb kind of struggling earlier this season uh, compared to what he had done the last couple of years. I remember after opening day, I said, we need to give Tyler Webb some credit for the job that he's done over the last couple of years and did it on opening day to be able to get the Cardinals out of a little bit of a jam in that game in Cincy. Uh, It's been kind of a struggle for him since, and so we'll see when he gets back into a game if he can find some traction. But, yeah, that for Alex Reyes to battle back on Suarez and get that strikeout, you know, he had the strikeout earlier against Castellanos. You thought that was going to be a moment in the ninth um, because, you know, we've talked about all that Castellanos has done, and he's been in the center of all the action thought for sure if, if this game was going to come down to that at bat. He ends up striking him out, but it's a wild pitch because you have Yadier Molina come out of the game. So much happened in this game. I haven't even been able to get to the Yadi injury yet, uh, but we will definitely cover that here over the next few minutes. But Kisner lets the ball get away from him, and so a run ends up scoring there, which is what advanced the 
runner to second. I may have misspoke on that earlier, but the go-ahead run at second base because of the wild pitch on the strikeout. You know, it's weird that Castellanos didn't, you know, even really seem to know that the ball had gotten away, but nevertheless, that got Alex Reyes one more out away from getting out of the thing, and then he ends up doing that with Eugenio Suarez to end the ball game for the Cardinals. And it was great to see in some of the gift reactions from Alex Reyes' video after that strikeout. He was pumped. I, I tweeted it on, on Twitter, at bshafer 12 I said, let it snow, because he was obviously saying, let's go. Really excited to get out of that. Reyes would have been a great person for the Cardinals to give us to talk to tonight. I know you can only talk to so many people when you're Zooming, and it's just kind of harder to do nowadays. But it definitely would have been fun to hear his perspective on that strikeout and battling back the way that he did in that inning. But for as exciting as it all was, the Cardinals, bottom line, they get the win. But what's the cost of that win? Because we'll get to this. Yadier Molina leaves the game after kind of, I don't know if he fouled one off the foot or if he kind of stepped wrong. I believe it happened on the strikeout pitch. And he just didn't look right. Some discomfort, obviously, with the foot, lower leg. And come to find out, you see Andrew Kisner hop out of the dugout for the start of the next inning defensively. Then the Cardinals make the announcement to the press box that it's right foot soreness for Yadier Molina. Mike Schultz did not have uh, any major update on that after the game. Uh, Yadier did get some imaging, was getting imaging done on Friday night. Schultz said he'll know more in the morning about what that looks like. But, you know, if, if, you're, if you're getting an MRI, which I understand you have any kind of injury, it makes sense to get imaging done and see what you're looking at. But it, it's conceivable that Yachty could could be heading for an injured list stint. And I know it's kind of a underrated, under-discussed aspect of this game. I mean, I'm 20 minutes into the podcast, and I haven't really talked about it until now with everything that went on. But that's the thing that can definitely impact the Cardinals moving forward. And if it happens, I think it's, it's going to be up to Mike Schilt to just give the reins to Andrew Kisner and let this kid show what he can do, sink or swim time. You know, he's looked solid in some of his sparse opportunities that he's gotten so far this season. Would probably have to make a move to call up a backup catcher. Ali Sanchez is the only one that's really a viable option who's on the 40-man. Yvonne Herrera is not going to be making that, that leap to the big leagues just yet, I wouldn't think. Uh, so it would probably be Ali Sanchez unless you go and find a way to make a 40-man uh, move for Tyler Heineman. But I really don't want to get too much deeper into this than we've already done because I think by the time y'all listen to the podcast, we'll know whether it was necessary and what the move was anyway. So not going to get too deep into that, but certainly the Cardinals will be missing Yadier Molina if it turns out that the foot is going to force him to miss some time. So we'll see what that looks like. Before we wrap things up here, though, on the podcast, I did tease some Matt Carpenter discussion. He was back in the lineup again tonight for the Cardinals. He did take a walk, his first walk in something like 10 or 12 days. Uh, You know, that was something at the start of the season he wasn't hitting, but at least he was getting on base via walk. Tonight, didn't get a hit, but did have that walk to find himself on base once. But looking at the numbers, it's not pretty. 077 batting average. 367 OPS. That's just not going to fly. And John Mozeliak spoke to the media before the game, and he came off uh, definitely a little bit more strongly with regard to the struggles of Carpenter 
than we've heard the manager do. And I don't think that's very much of a surprise because sometimes, you know, I'm sure with a front office and a field staff, coaching staff, you, you have a working relationship and you guys are generally on the same page. But sometimes it, it you're a little too close to the issue if you're the manager where these are all your players and, and you want to be able to to get them all going and give them the opportunities that they need and you, you want to fight for your guys. It's not that the front office doesn't want to do the same. I mean, they're the ones that put this team together. So don't don't get it twisted in that regard. But I think John Mozeliak from his seat is able to step back a little bit and say, look, exit velocity is what it is. But, you know, when you consider that the guy gets shifted against, you have to maybe curb those numbers a little bit from what StatCast uses in a neutral situation. You know, Matt Carpenter's expected batting average is going to be lower than just about anybody else's because he's shifted against more frequently and more fervently than maybe anybody in Major League Baseball because he hits the ball in the same darn place just about every time. And so it makes it a little bit difficult to look at the expected batting average numbers and the exit velocity numbers and have a great degree of expectation that things are going to change. It's unfortunate that Matt Carpenter is hitting the ball hard and he's not getting rewarded for it. But at some point in time, it becomes a little bit predictable because it's kind of been trending in this direction over the last several seasons where his numbers have declined. You look at the reason for it. When he's pulling the ball, he's pulling it, you know, some he's hitting it hard maybe, but right to somebody or getting it in the air, but not with quite enough thump to get it over the fence. It's just been a very similar story, and it's happening again this year. And the Cardinals, the point is going to come to where they, they cannot justify giving Carpenter those continued starts. And I think maybe we've reached that point. I said, you know, before it was, okay, we're going to try to get him going because he's still hitting the ball hard, etc. You don't have a lot of options that are great options necessarily bumping him out of the way. And I think that was the key. But now when you have Tyler O'Neill coming back, not that he was lighting it up offensively before he went down with the groin injury, and O'Neill was back with the Cardinals today. Another little bit of news that I'm sure you guys are aware of by now uh, because he played in the game on Friday, but didn't start after fouling a ball off of his foot in a sim game the day before. So I wasn't clear if that was just like uh, an excuse to get Matt Carpenter in the lineup again, you know, or if they just wanted to be a little bit cautious with him. But by later in the game, they said, yeah, it feels good. I can go. And he did. So whatever the case was there, O'Neill's back with the team. Harrison Bader may not be too terribly far behind him. So it gets to be a little bit of a crowded table situation where I just don't know if you've got other people performing. Like, you, I don't I don't think you want to sit down Justin Williams right now because he's been swinging it pretty well. And so it gets a little bit difficult, I think, to justify. And Cardinals fans are saying, what are you talking about, you crazy person? It's already impossible to justify the situation with Matt Carpenter starting as, as often as he has uh, with the way that he's performing. So, yes, I understand your uh, complaints, but looking at it from the manager's perspective, I think even Mike Schilt might end up running out of options here, and you're just going to have to make that difficult decision. Like, I could see, you know, Carpenter and the Cardinals parting ways here. That would be kind of uncomfortable. I, th- I think it would be better off to maybe give him some time on the bench like he was supposedly going to do out of the gate this season. And I never really bought that, which is why I kept saying, look, when opening day comes, home opener comes, 
Carpenter's probably going to be in there. Like, the stars are aligning, and it literally happened that way, and they've tried this for several weeks since. It just doesn't appear to be working out. So, you know, John Nagowski goes on the injured list after a hit-by-pitch. That's how Tyler O'Neill got back on the roster. So you still got room on that bench. It's not like there's people beating down the door to, to get opportunities off the bench. Edmundo Sosa fans would say otherwise because they'd like to see him get a chance, I guess. But, uh, you know, Carpenter, a bench role for now, I don't see any problem with that. But I don't know that you can continue to start him. Get Edmund back to second base. You know, continue to, to find the, the best mix for these outfielders, whether it's Williams, O'Neill, Carlson. You know, you get Bader back in there, it could be a different story. But for right now, I think it's kind of, it's just going to be what it is for that Cardinals outfield as you get maybe Matt Carpenter less and less, fewer and fewer at-bats for the Cardinals. So just interesting to hear, I thought, that uh, the general manager, or I should say the president of baseball operations of the team, saying things like, to some level, you've got to see production. Hopefully his fortunes change, but at some point it's going to be hard to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Just read that quick quote. Jeff Jones tweeted that out because I didn't tweet out any of the Mo quotes, but just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a taste of what he was kind of alluding to. Basically, you know, Mike Schill has been very much supportive of Carpenter. Moselak would love to see it happen, but at some point, the production does need to come regardless of what you're going to say about exit velocity and what you expect batting average to be, things like that. You've got to find a way to produce. Nobody wants to see it happen as much as, you know, I mean, everybody wants to see it happen. Mosaic would like it. Mike Schilt would like it. Cardinals players would like it. Matt Carpenter would love it. And I think Cardinals fans would like it too. But if it's not happening, you, you got to stop at some point trying to force it on a daily basis. And with the re- rejuvenation of uh, some of the players like Tyler O'Neill getting back into the mix, I think we might have uh, kind of finally reached that point. We'll see with the way the Cardinals lineups look moving forward. But they get the win today, trying to find a way to now win a series against the Reds. They'll have a chance to clinch and do that on Saturday. And if they don't, then you come into another rubber game situation. Cardinals are now 0-5 in those games. So maybe they can just avoid that altogether this series go for the sweep on Sunday instead of getting into a rubber game situation. But that's going to wrap things up for this edition of the podcast. It's getting pretty late here. I did some writing tonight, wrote a couple of stories for KMOV, one kind of the dynamic of that Yadier Molina-Nick Castellanos relationship, touching on the Yadi injury and other news uh, from his performance in the game. And then I got into the Kwon Young-Kim start, which was really quality and uh, had some good quotes mixed into that story. You can find both those at KMOV.com slash sports but that's the reason i'm getting the podcast out a little bit later tonight and the reason that i'm really tired is i hear the rain tapping on the windows outside my house so appreciate you guys once again for joining make sure to subscribe if you haven't done so already you know the drill spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts. pick one stick with it pick all three i don't care i'm just glad you're listening as we roll along throughout this cardinal season thanks once again and we'll talk to you next time